Hello and welcome to another episode of the Transformations with Jane podcast. Today I have an interview with uh, for you with Kimberly Gimble. Now I'm very very proud of Kimberly for just taking the the action of putting her hand up and saying I'd like to be on the podcast and I'm and I don't have a business, and I don't really know what I want to talk about, but I just have this feeling that I want to be on the podcast. So I think that's pretty cool that she um, had the, yeah, she was brave enough to put up her hand and say, could I be on the podcast, you know, even though I'm not this or that, yeah. So um, yeah, let me tell you a little bit about Kimberly before we get started, because um, she's not Uh, the same as our usual guests that we have on here who tend to be long-term residents of Japan, right? So um, Kimberly's actually from the States um, and she is in Japan for just one year um, due to her husband's uh, studies for his um, PhD. So, and while they're here, they're not even in one place for the whole time, you know, they're going to be moved, they're moving between like three different places, three completely different places in Japan. And to top that off, she's it's not just her and her husband, but she also has a little son as well who's two years old. And they are, yeah, trying to make their life work here in Japan for a short time. And so I really wanted to hear her perspective of what it's like to to be that, um, you know, short-term expat here in Japan um, who doesn't have access to the support systems that perhaps some of us long-termers have here with, you know, perhaps you're married to a Japanese person or, um, you know, you've been here for a long time and you have a good network of friends or you speak Japanese really well um, or you're getting to that point where you speak in Japanese increasingly well and you can understand. And so, yeah, it's it's I think it's important to go back to that sort of beginner's situation and and hear what their struggles are because I feel that you know people who are here in Japan you know indefinitely you know have no plans to leave you know we can really um help make short-term you know lives a lot easier just by reaching out and saying hi to them or you know offering to help when we can see that they're struggling with something and, you know, like even, and Kimberly mentions in the episode, even just simple things like recycling your glass and not knowing which colors to put which glass in if there's nothing in the bin, if the bin's just been emptied and you're the first person to put something in there, which one do you put them in? Because you, if you only know the kanji for white, well, you can put your white glass in one bin, but where did the other ones go, you know? So, yeah, that was really eye-opening for me and it was really great for me to refresh my memory as to what it's like to be that that new person in a new country where you don't speak the language. So um, Kimberly's currently a stay-at-home mum, but she'll be going back to America fairly soon. And we also talk a little bit about that as well. And I know that a lot of the people who are listening, some of you may be harboring a fantasy of, you know, one day when I get back to my country, I'll be able to do this. 
well for Kimberly that's coming soon and she's a little bit up in the air about what that's going to look like and that's scary too isn't it because it's uncertainty and you know us human beings tend not to like uncertainty so much um so we talk a little bit about that and we talked through a few things so I was really glad that we were able to do that on the episode as well and something that I want to try coming up in some of the future episodes is if any of your listeners out there are like would like to volunteer to be coached during an episode, please contact me. Please let me know. You can DM me or or PM me, whatever it is <laughs> in Japanese. I think they call it a DM. Um, so yeah, message me. Contact me on. Instagram and say, yes, Jane, I'd like to be coached and I'm willing to do it on a podcast episode. Now that said, like, um, you know, uh, if you're something you would like to be coached on that you're not willing to share with others, this is not the thing for you. Okay. If you're willing to share your journey, um, with others here in Japan, then this is a good opportunity for you to get access to my coaching. So um, if that's you, put your hand up. I'd love to do an episode or two where, because the thing is like you may be sitting where you are in Japan thinking, oh, you know, my problems are so unique. It's only me who's suffering from, from this particular issue. And the fact is, and it's such a personal issue too, probably, right? But one of my mentors, um, Jim Fortin says, what is the most personal is also the most general. So it means that so many people are suffering from the exact same thing or so many people are going through the exact same thing. And you could really help others by, yeah, doing uh, going through a session with me that we record and it becomes an episode of the podcast. Um, if you're up for that, please let me know. I would love to do something with you. So, for example, what would be um, a good thing to be coached on? Um, potentially, well, it's obviously something that you're happy to ha have other people hear about, right? So if this is something, you know, that you want, you haven't processed yourself yet, perhaps it's some past trauma, not a great topic for our coaching, but if it's something that we can talk about that, um, you know, it's not something that you haven't processed yet, or it's, you know, it's not, a, you know, a traumatic thing that might be a better topic for our coaching. For example, I don't know what to do. I want to do something, but I don't know what to do, or I don't know what that is, or why can't I seem to do X? And I really want to do X, but I can't seem to get myself to do it, or, um, you know, that sort of thing, you know, a little bit more, less emotionally charged type <laughs> um, topic would be a great one for our podcast episode coaching. So if you'd like to take advantage of that, please definitely um, message me and we will uh, look into it. Okay, so um, yeah, let's get on with the episodes of coming up here we have Kimberly. She's going to be talking about what it's like for her being a short-term expat in Japan. And I really hope you guys will all listen. And and I'm sure you can take away something from this episode. And yeah, maybe just reach out a little bit more to those newbies around you. And I know how hard it is when you've been here for ages and you're you're like, oh my God, you know, another new person. Uh, you know, I've been here for so long. I've had so many new friends and that. But if you can stop thinking about yourself for a moment, and start thinking about it from their perspective for a moment, you'll quickly realize that you can you can be of service, you can be of help, and you can really like make someone stay even just by saying hello to them. And I think Kimberly said something similar in, in the episode. You can make someone stay by just saying, hey, I noticed you're struggling with your 
recycling there or maybe you don't know what this is this is how you do it um you know it would be gratefully received i'm sure okay so here we go Hi, Kimberly. Welcome to the Transformations with Jane's podcast. It's great to have you here today. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me on. It's great to be here. So whereabouts are you in Japan at the moment? Currently, I am coming from Kyoto. Um, we're living in the um, western part of the city. So um yeah, we rented an Airbnb and it's it's neat because it's more farm-ish over in the, the oh, hill. Okay, right. And what sort of major tourist attractions are sort of in the nearby from in the west? What can so you the, the, bam, the famous bamboo forest is there. Right. Um, oh, I don't remember the name of the bridge, but there's like a bridge and it's, it's one of the places everybody dresses up in kimono um, and takes their pictures over the bridge. Yeah, so you're an out sort of towards Arashiyama. Arashiyama, area. thank you. I, it's, sorry, yeah. that's, that's, yes, I'm, in, I'm, I'm above it, and it's called Saga Arashiyama. But, okay. um, yeah, I'm uh, 10 minutes away from all the green tea ice cream I could eat. Okay. Um, it's, it's fun, but <laughs> it's very far away from all the rest of Kyoto. It is but, a little bit, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I've been to Kyoto about... 15 times probably I'm a bit of a Kyoto nerd and so is my husband um nice. but yeah I have not been to Arashiyama that many times but when I did go out there it's really beautiful place but it's yeah it's, it's pretty but it's so far crazy. away from there. Oh, it sorry. is quite far yeah and it's crazy with tourists isn't it like um yes the actual town sort of area mm. yeah we fortunately are, are far away from that that we can choose to go down there and we can choose what buses we take we don't have a car um and that makes it so that we don't have to be too close with all the tourists but, i see yeah um it's a lot better now that golden week is over oh i can um, imagine <laughs> it must have been insane yeah golden week in kyoto so i always wonder when i visit kyoto how do the people who live here manage with this many tourists sort of and it seems to be all year now. Like it used to be mm. sort of majorly around Sakura or Sakura season or the Koyo autumn leave season. But now mm. it just seems like constantly all year, huge numbers of tourists in Kyoto. So yeah, there must be like, obviously you guys have <laughs> your known routes to avoid and things. Uh, if we're, we're learning. Crush. Um, yeah. It's yeah. probably why I haven't gone to Gion very often. The, the place where there's the um, Geiko. I've, I think I've only been there once or twice. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I tend to stay out of the area and go to the places that maybe aren't as touristy. Mm -hmm. But I, I like finding the little little pieces and things. So I actually just went to Uji for the first time. And that's um, a town outside of the major city of Kyoto that's known for its um, matcha tea. Mm -hmm. And uh, they have a beautiful temple there that the name escapes me, but it's very famous. It's the back of the 10 yen coin. And it, right. was, just, mm. it was nice to be a tourist because my, I just, my mouth fell open. It was so beautiful. And I 
I sort of am a wisteria buff and I just, they have a beautiful wisteria there. And, and so this is, this is my favorite time of year right now with the wisteria. Yes. <laughs> yes. It is blooming. It is beautiful. And, um, that's one thing I hadn't noticed about Japan is that, you know, apart from, yeah, Sakura season, there are so many beautiful other flowers you can enjoy oh, here, lovely. like the wisteria. And then it's going to be time for hydrangeas. Yeah. I know during the rainy season, it's the best yeah. part of rainy season is the hydrangeas. And I, I haven't been in Japan in the summer, so I'm, I'm not sure that part yet, but um, I just know about the humidity. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, so um, Kimberly is a short-term expat in Japan, and um, you're the first guest I've had on, on this podcast, I think, who's someone who's a little bit more, you know, hasn't been here that long or isn't intending yeah. to stay that long in Japan. So it's really great to have you on here today. So um, before we go any further, why don't, um, why don't you introduce yourself briefly for the listeners so they can get to know you a little bit? Okay, um, well... My name is Kim, and right now I'm a stay-at-home mom to a toddler, and I also support my husband the way wives do. He is a PhD candidate who studies Japanese history. So we um, are here for a year right now, and every three months we travel to the next spot where his archives are. So I started in Tokyo just for a month, because um, it was easy to get settled. Then we moved to up about two hours north of Tokyo to Mito City, which is in Ibaraki Prefecture. Then for the spring, we came to Kyoto, where we are now. And then our next one will be Sapporo. And we're going to take a short vacation in Sendai to sort of break up the trip for the, uh, the toddler, because that's going to be a long journey. It is, um, yeah. <laughs> Right. So I, this is my second time in Japan. Uh, the first time was also because of my husband and I was in Yokohama and it was much more just settled there. And um, I'm not, I don't have any future times to go back, but Japan will always be part of our lifestyle. So I'll probably come back. Um, I just don't know for, for long term or just to, you know, visit. <laughs> yeah. So what, what is life like for a short-term expat in Japan? Obviously, you know, you know you're only going to be here for a fairly short time, but you still have to live your life, right? You can't just... Right. So there seems to be... The big part is the visa, because um, you, can, you can... First, you can be here for up to three months without a visa from America. I'm from America, sorry. Um, I was raised in California, and um, I currently call home Chicago. That is where my, my cat is right now being um, taken care of by my wonderful renters. Um, but so you can, you can live fairly long time in Japan without having to have a visa, but the visa process, um, if you have to do it yourself, which this time we really did have to kind of come up with it can be difficult and so while we had assistance through the university that's sponsoring my husband, um, we did have to do a lot of the work ourselves, which can cause all sorts of weird things mm. based on your own situation. And so there was then 
it wasn't just for him it was also for me because i'm a dependent and then my child who's also a dependent and so it's just triplicate um and just passport photos and things like that um are, are interesting not passport visa photos and things for for toddlers is interesting <laughs> um i can imagine yes and so then with us because we move you have to register at the prefectural office or not the prefecture office the city office and, and even the ward in where we were i don't know about smaller cities um but then when you leave you also need to tell them that you're leaving um which when we first came they didn't tell us that so they actually made my husband go down to yokohama and tell them that he had left back in 2015 oh so that we goodness. could go back up to the city that we were in at the time yeah yeah and so that was interesting i mean they let us fill out the paperwork and everything but in, before we left we had had to officially do all that and so you just have to remember the paperwork and then if you have a kid there's all sorts of other things that um and this is just in our situation he does he's not related to he's not working he's under a cultural visa and so with the research he's not under like a working visa mm -hmm. um and so there's all sorts of differences with that and um finding places to stay can be difficult thank goodness for airbnb right um i don't know if you plug things but thank goodness for the the mini paku system um because it has made it a lot easier to find places that are more like a home than the monthly mansion that we stayed in which is really for salary men sure um, yeah those places are tiny right yeah i don't know the exact thing but it was it was like a studio um i think it was a 1k 1k yeah <laughs> um For like one person it well it had yeah. two beds okay so maybe it was bigger than that maybe it was a 1dk but it wasn't it was a one room mm. situation the refrigerator was in next to the tv um i mean it had a full bathroom it, we had all the modern um conveniences but and right now in, in kyoto where we stayed in an airbnb in this um is a house a standalone house and it it sleeps it has 10 futon so <laughs> yeah it, it's a it's got three bedrooms well one's the living area and then it's got a formal reception room and it's just it's huge for american standards not alone japanese standards and so um we, we chose this because we knew we would be there during sakura season and sort of to try to entice family members to come and visit um which they did which was nice is to to share japan with um people that wouldn't have come definitely otherwise. yeah um that's great that you could find a short term you know for what you needed you know three months mm -hmm. you can find that on airbnb because trying to go through a real estate agency can it's, just be a nightmare it, yeah. it's difficult and then there's key money isn't something that i've experienced in america um and so that was also interesting and um there are places that can just say they don't want foreigners or they don't want foreigners with children and sometimes the location of some of the places are not um where we wanted to be without having a car 
um, like they were great neighborhoods and very like residential and if we had a car it would be great but you know the local supermarket may have been a 15 minute walk mm-hmm. um, which I go to the supermarket every day um, so it's it's just sort of the you know the way I've been since um, I lived in cities and so this is just um, it's, it's it's interesting just being the short term you because I keep moving like I make friends with a couple of people I mean in in playgrounds and things that um, my Japanese is awful um, I know like greetings and a couple of words and I can tell you how old my child is and his name and his interests but that's about it half of my vocabulary is cars and animals sure <laughs> um, and so like I meet people but when they find out that I'll be leaving in three months it's it's very um, formal still um, and so not having that that connection can be difficult um, for for just meeting people so it's like you like so many people have said on this show thank goodness for social media um, because without it it would be a much different experience. Definitely. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, I get like, yeah, it takes years to, to really build up uh, a network and especially in somewhere like Kyoto, which is quite famous <laughs> for being, um, you know, not uh, open to out, outsiders, right? It can well, take generations almost to be considered a local there. So, yeah and you know and i think these people especially i think that's where my that's where i I don't remember maybe who who said it once but somebody was just like just try talking to people Mm -hmm. and especially because i have a toddler who is um honest and points out things and so then you know he gets acknowledged and he's he's cute and um i think that's helped me a lot especially in kyoto because people want to say hello to him and I have taught him I've tried to teach him to say konnichiwa he doesn't say it when I want him to all the time because he's <laughs> a robot but when he does they get so excited um and so it really opens up just saying hello to people even in Kyoto um is helpful and does yeah. help just just for the normal so I have because I walk the same way to the store or I'd get lost. Um, I have neighbors that recognize me and say hello. And um, I, I can, you know, talk about the weather a little bit. And so that's nice. And, um, and I think that you, that's also helpful is just kind of learn how to say like, you know, tanky if it's, you know, tanky or just say hello. And, and, and things, it, it helps you feel a little more attached, even if it's just for a couple of months. That's nice that, you know, you, you said that your neighbors are starting to recognize you and notice you and greet you, mm-hmm. um, even though you haven't been there that long and you won't be there that long. But yeah, and that's something that, you know, especially for people who may be listening to this podcast and thinking about moving to Japan is that greetings are just so important in this country. And even they really if are. people do not return your greeting, if you make a point of greeting people, that is a huge, um, that's a huge step forward and you will be thought of well. People will think well of you yes. um, if you bother to just say, konnichiwa, ohayou gozaimasu, um, konbanwa, 
that's you know and greet people in advance so you make the first step yes they will be thrilled if you do yes. and it's just one word right but it makes a big difference and i do that in my neighborhood too yeah I mean, everybody that came, I, I wanted them to know sumimasen because, you know, arigato gozaimasu is, is something that it takes a long time to be able to say that quickly. Mm. Um, and so it's a mouthful, but just saying, excuse me, when you move and stuff, people, I think that they've just seem a little happier when you, when you know to say that. Yeah. Um, it's, five <laughs> it, words can go a long way. Yeah. It really does. And um, yeah, just the whole being humble is always so helpful but i don't necessarily you know just being saying hello and and, and friendly because especially for americans everybody seems to think that americans are loud and boisterous so I, maybe we are um it, it helps into our favor that we can say hello and smile and people expect that from people that look american <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's not that hard to do right it's just doing no. a different language that's the truth yeah and where I'm from, like people don't generally greet each other unless you're in a very small town. Um, yes. And so it's, and, but where I live here, I've made an effort to say, like when I see someone, I would make the first move and say hello, or when I'm out running or whatever, I will say hello to everyone I see. And I think that's really helped people to recognize that one, I'm, I'm not scary. I'm a nice person and you know, they get to know you know, they sort of take an interest more than they would if you just walk past. So definitely a good piece of advice is to practice your Japanese greetings. Yeah. <laughs> know your aisatsus. Yes. Yep, get your aisatsus. That's the one. Yeah. So um, what else has Japan taught you? Um, just how, well, one thing that people of Japan has taught me is that I have a lot more forgiveness for people that are in my country that do not know the language or the cultures, because when you're learning something as an adult, it is very difficult and you don't know where they're coming from or how hard they're trying. So I, I have a lot of respect for those who move to another country um from especially one that doesn't speak your language mm. and so that is something japan has taught me is just how brave and just you know it takes a lot of guts to to do that as an adult um because it's hard it is <laughs> um just the culture shock can be um when referring to another episode is when you went to California and you were talking about how different it is with the cars being on the other side of the road. That's how I felt in Japan. Yeah. I missed the bus at least twice in Mito because I was on the wrong side for oh, when the right. bus was going. <laughs> and so I missed the wrong, I, I saw it and I couldn't, you know, cross the street to catch the bus. Um, the, when it was coming the right direction. Right. Um, so it, just Japan um, has taught me that, just maybe the foreign country part. Um, just the way that certain things can be done differently. I, as annoying as it is, I like our, our trash sorting system in Japan. 
I wish it was more that every place was the same, but I like that you have to separate your plastics from your burnables, from your pet bottles. Um, in Kyoto, they want you to take the plastic stuff off of, you know, the caps and all that go in a different spot than the, the empty pet bottle. Yes. I think it makes you very aware of how much trash you have. Um, and then there's the supermarkets that will take other pieces like your um, milk cartons, the, the paper ones. Um, and, and your oil that you've used for frying things. And oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I didn't know <laughs> that. I have not noticed that one yet. They Some, some supermarkets have like a big bin where you can oh. use up tempura oil and you just tip it in and oh that would be yeah. very helpful yeah not, <laughs> not every supermarket but some do have yeah that. every super that would be something else that um some places it has it seems to have like you know six or seven different options in some places they're like oh you can bring your glass bottles here i'm like okay yeah that's yeah you just have um, to l learn and figure it out but um if you ask you obviously might struggle to do this, but if you ask someone in your neighborhood, they'll probably be able to tell you. Which that is, is a yeah. little above my, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I, I had to do a lot of research just to find out um, what day uh, the cardboard came because right. it doesn't come every day. And so I, you know, is it, I think it's twice a month here. Um, mm -hmm. And so I had to figure out when that was. Um, because I had a lot of cardboard building up and I didn't want to put it in burnables, which I see a lot of people do. But mm. so, Yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting topic about the trash because, yeah, each city is different and even the Japanese people get it wrong because I've been recycling in the city for 17 years now and I sometimes go to the drop-off point and I'm like, oh my God, who has put their cans in with their glass? You know, like that's mm -hmm. just not allowed, right? right. Like, Come on, what Wally's done this? You know, <laughs> that's, that's recycling 101 really, but, done it, but <laughs> yeah, I felt bad that um, my local place, they sort the glass by color and I didn't realize that because I was the first person to put it in the bin the first time I had it. And so there wasn't any glass in the other bins. So I just put my three glass bottles that were different colors all in the same one. Mm. And then I look down and I see that I recognize the kanji for white, which it takes me a while. Cause right. yeah. And so I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Oops. Um, I should have put the, the glass there. Okay. Cause I don't, that's, I don't know all the colors kanji. Um, right. So mm -hmm. it's, it's, yeah. Um, but just living, that's, that was one of the things is there's, there's a lot of other, um, especially, I guess I do a lot of grocery shopping. So a lot of my things, I, I enjoy going to the Japanese supermarket and, um, I, I like that they price down the meat and things and at least in my supermarkets they price that stuff down in the afternoon so i can get cheaper meat and maybe then i'll make udon because sometimes beef can be more expensive than pork um because staying on a budget and i guess japan has taught me to be on a budget but that's just living um with a fixed income household mm -hmm. um but yeah so I guess if you want to learn a culture, maybe their supermarkets are very helpful. 
at least in Japan. Um, yeah. I yeah. learned a lot about the Japanese by based on supermarkets and um, getting excited for, you know, the season when they bring out the mint chocolate ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like that. And yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, and soon we'll have Sprite on the shelves again. It's like oh, when really? it comes out in summer. It's a oh. summer flavor, Sprite. And I'm like, oh, the Sprite, it's here. It must be summer. <laughs> I, I'm, I already miss Sakura Pepsi. I wish I had just bought that, like just crates of that stuff. It's addictive, the pink Pepsi. Oh, I haven't tried that one. Oh, it's, it's very sweet. Okay. Um, I, I was a Diet Coke addict in um, America. I don't like Coke Zero, so I switched over to just drinking more Mugi Cha probably better for me anyway but now i end up drinking full sugared sodas um more so it's good old moogie cha it is good for you apparently um i cannot drink that stuff but my, Neither can my husband yeah <laughs> he does not like it and um so he was like oh you made tea and i'm like yeah but it's moogie cha and he's like why did you make moogie cha because <laughs> like, our toddler can drink it and they can't mm. have black tea and so he was like, well, next time we make black tea. And I go, yes. And so, um, yeah, he, he does not like it at all. <laughs> yeah, flavor. Even, even with a lot of sugar, he doesn't like it. So I like it and my, my son will drink it. So that's kind of why it's on there. So what advice would you have for, for a woman who is about to move to Japan for a short term? What, what, what would you uh, recommend? Take- make so for medication uh just because it's sold over the counter where you're from does not mean that it is sold over the counter um Mm. where you are or that it's sold this for the same thing so what we call benadryl i don't know what it's called in japanese but it is sold in america it is sold in japan it's sold as a sleep aid where in America, it's used for allergies. Okay, yeah. Um, and so you, you look for that. Um, make sure that you're, if you have prescription medication, especially if you're going to be there for longer than, a, than six months, I think you're allowed to bring in a month or six months of your prescriptions, mm. that it's legal and that it's easy to get. Um, my medication is legal but like when I was in Mito, only one um, pharmacy in the whole city carried it. Right. Fortunately, it was right next to the train station. But I would have to go there to get it, finding a job, and then finding a um, English-speaking doctor that feels comfortable prescribing and, and knowing what what you have. Mm-hmm. Um, for medical things, it's just. Um, Looking in other things that you may need if a certain makeup product or a certain is, is very important to you. Um, you also have to, they, they keep track of how much of that you can bring into the country. I don't wear a lot of makeup, so that wasn't important to me, but sometimes based on your skin complexion, it may be difficult to find what you need. And I'm, I'm mm. pale, but I, I have pigmentation that make local makeup, you know, just look slightly different on me. 
Mm. Um, so if that's something that bothers you, it's, it's, it's doing your research of finding out what will make you comfortable for the short period of time. Um, and maybe making that, um, is, is it a priority that you have peanut butter? Are you willing to pay four or five times more than you would in America for what you want? <laughs> yeah. Are you going to go without yeah. peanut butter for that period of time mm -hmm. or ask for it for, you know, special occasions? Um, my mother-in-law, hi, Nancy. Um, she definitely provides us with peanut butter anytime she sends something and oh. I like it because I'm not going to spend uh, 700 yen on a tiny bit of right. peanut, butter yeah. that tastes, peanut butter that the, the peanut butter. Yeah. It's dessert. Yeah. It's, it's peanut, peanut, cream, peanut, peanut butter or dessert yeah. in this country. So um, that's, that's a little different. Mm. Um, so yeah, you just that, find out what makes you comfortable. Find out if it's something that you can get here. And if not, maybe um, see what you need. Um, I, I brought a lot of things that, because I'm I'm a certain size, sizes, clothing, things like that, are things that, especially if you're not considered large where you come from, or tall where you come from, in Japan you may be, yeah. and, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, and I don't know if that's stuff that people think about, the medication maybe not as much, um, hopefully you've if you're coming to stay here longer than a month or so, you've thought about it by now. There's all sorts of wonderful online um, information, but also for your for your family. Um, like my husband didn't think about bringing a winter coat because he was like, oh, it's not going to get that cold where we're going to be. But it did end up snowing in Mito once. And so he was very glad that I ended up packing him a winter coat um because he didn't want to go out and buy one and so <laughs> right. you know just um the short-term things learn basic japanese if, if i could have done it all over again i would have paid for um a tutor or some sort of formal some form of formal japanese before i come um, i did end up taking a class in yokohama which was wonderful and amazing and really um made my like take classes here if you can it made my life a lot happier because i met more people and i had practice speaking the japanese um but i just it, if you're over 25 you don't pick up things as quickly as you did before you were 25 so yeah. <laughs> um it's going to be a little <laughs> harder to hang in and know hiragana and katakana have it down before you get here um, uh, the kanji you can practice and learn as you need them because sometimes you'll need to learn the kanji for where you are um, first before learning other things. But if you know hiragana and katakana, it's it's on the buses, it's on um, you know everything, even if it, even if English isn't, and it's it's helpful. Definitely, yeah. I mean, it, this is just simple things for the for that kind of stuff. And you know. So, you know, some of the people listening might be like, well, I'm not a short-term resident. I've been in Japan for, you know, 10 years, but it's really important that you listen to what Kimberly is saying, I think, because 
around you, there will be people like this and we need to know how we can support them because perhaps we've also forgotten what it's like to be just here for a short time, you know, and though, you know, you can easily help people by just reaching out and saying, Oh, Hey, do you know how to recycle your rubbish? You know, <laughs> or yes. do you want me to just show you and save them hours and hours of trying to figure it out themselves or, um, you know, having some, sort of grumpy old lady turn up on your doorstep returning your rubbish because you haven't done it properly like nobody wants oh that my goodness. Happen, right that, that's happened to me yeah um back in the oh. day um <laughs> a couple of times someone returned my rubbish to me because I hadn't because it was um paper day and I didn't know that you couldn't put paper in a plastic bag to put it out it has to be in it some kind of paper. paper yeah it has oh. to be in a bag or a paper box you know like a cardboard box or you have you to tie put in. Like a plastic yeah you haven't you cannot put a plastic bag full of paper out that doesn't work so oh that, right um and i don't know if that's the same in your city but here that was a big no-no but they just on paper days only paper so what i do now is i get like um you know a box the size that tea comes in mm -hmm. and I push in the the flaps and I fill that up with like every scrap of paper that doesn't need. That's a really good idea. I need to do that because I end up putting so many receipts and things in burnables because I do put it in with my other larger paper, but then it just ends up flying out. Yeah. Yeah. So all those sort of scrappy bits of paper, I have one paper shopping bag, or if I don't have a paper shopping bag, I get like a, one of those boxes that has like two liter bottles of tea in it. And I fill up that up with all the bits and pieces of paper that come into my house for various That's a that I don't need. And I recycle a lot of paper that way and it, they will take it, especially if you've made an effort to close it up so that it's you know not going to fly everywhere. Um, and your other boxes get recycled together. You know, they get all sort of stacked right. together and recycled. Right. Um, yeah. Right. I flatten the boxes and the little things that, um, uh, yogurt and put in, they put that little paper, like tray. Yeah, under yeah it exactly. Right. There's so much paper that you could recycle if you tried. Yeah. And so that's one way you can do it. So it's something simple like that. Yeah. So, you know, us long-term residents have a wealth of knowledge that we can like, you know, just so easily help out a, a new short-term expert. And, and, you know, I know what, it, I do remember what it was like to be the new person 17 years ago and the people around me who were foreigners who had been here a long time, didn't want to know me, you know, they were just, they were, they were guys. So it, it was made it even sort of more difficult that they were men and they were just like, yeah, no, we can't be bothered with you. You're new probably going to leave, you know, like they didn't want to have anything to do with me. That's, that's, I think that's a really bad attitude. <laughs> yeah, that's the part that makes me is it like, Oh, you're just, you're just going to leave. And then, and yes, it is, it is an invest. You do have to invest time, but with social media, yeah, maybe you leave, but you, you're not, maybe you're not become, gone. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe you become followers on Instagram or they may just friends in some, for some way yeah who knows when your paths will cross again especially these days where you can stay connected um yeah i'm talking 17 years ago before facebook and before iphones right. and all that you know like yeah, it's, it was a different era right but <laughs> oh, i i don't know how i i would have been so scared well i probably would have learned japanese better um <laughs> but i also probably it would be very different of a situation because yeah, 17 years ago, I, I mean, I did graduate high school, but I wouldn't have thought I would have gotten here. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it's just, um, 
if I guess for those who are living here a long time, if you speak English and you keep seeing the same foreigner all the time, um, they may just want to talk in English for just that one or two times and or, or find somebody that speaks English that they can talk to and just because you get lonely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and it, there, I mean, just being able to say hi and stuff does give you a little bit of that feed, but you know, maybe that little deeper connection of being able to say, you know, how are you? It, it's, it's really nice or hearing somebody say, have a nice day. Uh, a teenager from the local high school said, have a nice day to me once when I left. And I felt so good. Yeah. He said it, he said it very well too. It was, it was like, I'm like, thank you. I was really happy. Um, because I just heard that it's not something you hear in Japan. Yeah. Not the, it's not the, the, the exiting phrase. So yeah. Um, it was just very nice to, to see, hear somebody say, have a nice day. Um, you know, and a it's as bit. simple as that sometimes, isn't it? Yeah. Just, <laughs> just, a, just a greeting and acknowledgement that you're here and part of this moment mm. goes a long way. Yeah, that's true. So um, you've, you've mentioned to me that you're actually going to be returning home to the States soon and that you're going to be looking for work again. Yes. And you're not sure how that's going to go having, you know, been away from your country for a while and, and yeah. all of that thing. So, um, so my question that I've been wanting to ask you is if you couldn't fail when you get back home, what would you love to do? <sighs> if you couldn't fail, I, I mean, for short term, I would love to have a job relatively close to home because there's, you know, with my, my toddler and I can afford to put him in some fancy daycare that has, you know, the all wooden toy nature -y experience. Um, and also be home in time to help cook dinners, you know, half of the time. Uh, but long-term, I honestly don't know. Um, I spend so many of my long-term goals are not in my control. Um, I would like my husband to finish his PhD and find a position at a tenure track university someday um and then settle down there and you know work on the whole family thing but as far as my own personal goals sometimes I think oh, I'd like to travel and then I tell that to my husband he goes where and I'm like oh I don't know everywhere and he goes that's not very specific and so I don't even I don't I don't I don't know how to find a long-term goal if that makes sense it's just, yeah, so it's a weird feeling to be in that when you actually sit down and think, what do you want? My long-term goal was to become a stay-at-home mom. And this opportunity made me realize I do not like being a stay-at-home mom. Sure. I love my child. Mm. I love commuting to a place and having a separate life from my house. Mm. And having that structured work environment, um, I've also learned I probably wouldn't work well working at home or freelancing or things like that. I like having 
a job, <laughs> a career that is yeah. structured in, in, the, in an environment, it doesn't have to be corporate, but it could be academic or in, in some form of structured environment that has, you know, tasks and things that are, that I know what is expected of me and that I receive a, to be frank, a, a paycheck for, um, is, I found that was important to me, but I don't have this, I don't want to be a CEO or something. Um, so I don't have any like career goals really. It's just, my goal was the stay home mom thing. And I find out that no, it's not something I want to do long-term. And that, I think that's fantastic because you didn't know that before, right? No. You just I, had that idea. Oh, I want to be a stay-at-home mum. And when you, and this, you know, gift of coming to Japan has taught you that that's not really the what you want, right? Of what you actually, like, like it didn't actually suit you, even though it's, it's felt or you thought it would be. And this is the problem, isn't it? When we don't do anything, and we just think, oh, I'd love to do X, Y, Z. That's what I want. But then we don't do it. it. We don't know if that's really what's for us. And we, we can never know until we actually go and do it, which is what you've done, right? Yes. And, and now you know, oh, I need that. I need to actually go and work in a physical place. Yes. I need to have that stimulation of being outside my home for a certain amount of time a day. Yes. I need to work with this kind of person or whatever it is, you know? Well, and, and yeah, the kind of, I, I, I would like work. to work with, with people um, in, a, in a professional setting. I mean, what, mm. what it is or what kind of people I, I'm fairly flexible with. I like working with different types of people. Um, but I like having that professional roles and, and, you know, guidelines and, and things that, this is what I do for you, yeah. you know, this is what is expected of me. Um, and I do this from nine to five or, you know, I, I worked in a place where I worked overtime and, and I knew that I would do that from, you know, 40, 50 hours a week, some of the time uh, up to things. And then other times I wouldn't, you know, sick days were nice. Yeah. So <laughs> that, that tells you so much about, about yourself, right? So you shouldn't, you said you don't want to be the CEO, right? So there's no way that you should be going and starting your own startup or, right? right? Like this yes. is, not everybody should be doing that. <laughs> and now you know that this is what, what you are, where you're going to be happy is with these, these things in your life, right? Right. So, um, to know, like you, like I guess coming to Japan has helped you to learn more about yourself, right? In I guess so. Yeah. I didn't think about it that way. Um, if you hadn't come to Japan, you wouldn't know that this is what you need because you wouldn't have had true. the experience of being the stay-at-home mom and you it would still be in this, oh, you know, it's my dream to be a stay-at-home mom, but you'd never actually experienced it. And it's really hard. It is Anyone hard. who's not been a stay-at-home mom, it's really hard. Yeah, it is hard. Like, <laughs> I, I still, actually, it's, I have a lot of sort of trauma, not trauma, but really difficult feelings around my time of being a mother of small children at home alone in a foreign country. That's for sure, definitely. Um, so I feel you there. Um, and 
yeah, that's sort of what started me on my own journey, I guess, to <laughs> where I am now here recording this podcast with you um, as part of that as well, being that stay-at-home mum and, and realizing that it wasn't enough or I needed something else and yeah. I didn't know what it was. And so I just started with one thing, which was I decided to make my health and fitness um, a number one priority in my life. And that was the, you know, with no particular goal, but that started me on a course. And mm. then as I took that step, then the next step became clear to me on that course. And then the next step, it wasn't like I had this, this huge goal of, yes, I'm going to become a podcaster and I'm going to inspire mm. women across Japan or anything like that at all. It was just like, I'm going to put my health and fitness as a priority. That was the first step. So yeah, like your first step is going to be something similar along, like it's going to be something, you know, yeah, it, the, the it'll, one step ahead, right? From where you yeah, are. Now. It'll probably be getting myself, my professional self ready for finding the job, getting myself out there in the feelers. And, and that that's probably the next step is getting back into you know, taking that, that step back into the waters of, um, yeah, having to explain, so why weren't you working for a year? I mean, I know that it's, it's, everybody's like, oh, well, you have a good explanation, but I mean, you do, but then there's going to be people that don't have that. And so you have to really find why, even with that gap of employment, why they want you. And so I, I guess I have to go back into selling myself, which, yep. You will. It's not fun. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like fantastic story. You've been, been in Japan, um, learning all about cultural differences. And now you can really relate to people from all walks of life and all. Oh, yes. Yeah. Right. Fabulous skills that you've learned in the last <laughs> year. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, Kimberly, and sharing what it's like to be a short-term expat in Japan. And I really hope that the listeners who are long-term expats can really um, sort of remember what it's like to be that new person in town. And, and maybe that will also help to, you know, other new people coming to Japan to have a smoother transition um, as they arrive here. And so they will leave Japan with lots of happy memories. Yeah. When they go back to their, um, there, wherever there it is that they're from. So thank you so much for coming today. It was thank lovely you. to talk to you. And tell them about this podcast. I mean, I, I have gotten a lot from it. So if you tell other people that maybe they're not going to be staying here for a very long period of time, you do hear about different walks of life here. And then you realize that everybody is different and that you aren't necessarily doing something wrong if you feel that way or you know, the best way that everybody's finding their own path. That is true. <laughs> thank you. All right. Well, thank you so much, Kimberly. And I hope to keep, I'm going to keep up with, with your journey as you transition back to the States. I'm, I'm going to thank be you. <laughs> Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye, Jane. So I hope you enjoyed that interview with Kimberly. And 
I know that I just really got a lot of um, a really good sense again, you know, because I'd forgotten. I've been here too long. It's been 17 years. I've forgotten what it's like to be the new person in a country where you are basically illiterate, right? When you come to Japan, if you're not already like an amazing Japanese reader and speaker, um, you're illiterate. And that is really hard um, to deal with in your daily life, just even simple things. And actually yesterday, was it? My friend Annie down in Okinawa, she was on the podcast a few episodes ago. Um, Annie Pagero um, posted something on her Instagram stories like, oh my God, I have no idea what I'm eating. And she purchased some kind of, um, it looked like a spring roll or um, an egg roll, I think it's called in American English, um, from the supermarket or something and thought it had shrimp and it took a bite and it was some kind of yellow creamy stuff in there. <laughs> we, we're still not completely sure what it was that she she bought, but it was not nice apparently. And so she got, she got a nasty surprise and, you know, these things happen. And that still happens to me sometimes, you know, like it wasn't that long ago. It was like three weeks ago I was in um, Totori Prefecture and I was visiting Kurayoshi City and the white-walled um, – storehouse area there it's very very picturesque and cute and we ordered these coffees from the shop and when we went to sit at the table my husband was like um well yours has apparently got azuki in it and I'm like well he didn't say it like that but <laughs> he, he said it's got azuki in it and I was like really how did how on earth did I order that like I just hadn't realized what kind of a coffee shop exactly it was and it was a ice cafe latte as it is called here and it and yes you pour it out in the bottom it comes in this cool bottle and the bottle bottom of the bottle is like um oshiruko like the sweet red bean sort of stuff and so like depending on how much you want in your coffee it's how much you pour in so I thought oh well I'll give this a crack you know let's see how it goes and um it it did take away the bitterness like the bitterness of the coffee was definitely muted by the um azuki beanie stuff right um but I like my coffee like no sweetness like I never put sugar in it or syrup or anything. So, um, and when I go to Starbucks, if I order a frappuccino, I'm like, does it have syrup in it? And they're like, yes. I said, I have like almost none or can, can I have none? And they're like, yeah, that, that'll taste okay. And I'm like, good, I'll have that. Anyway, so my, <laughs> that was a bit of a fail on my part um, recently to actually read the menu. So anyway, um, it happens, right? So yeah, how can we support short-termers just to make their lives a little bit easier while they're here because you know even though people leave you can still be connected with people on social media and you know and especially if you make a connection with someone who's really cool like just because they're leaving Japan doesn't mean you'll never see them again you know like there's ways to keep in touch with each other these days so it's not like it's a waste of time to reach out to people who are only here for a short time and and we can and us long-term long-term residents can only sort of imagine how much it means to, you know, have someone talk to you in the park and have a meaningful conversation or um, someone to just sort of notice that you're struggling with something and help and give you a helping hand that saves you, you know, like half an hour of trying to figure it out yourself. Um, and Kimberly's um, story about trying to, you know, 
figure out which kind of glass to throw away because there was no glass in the recycle bin to sort of let her know whether she could put her red or green or brown glass in there because she couldn't read what kind of kanji. Um, yeah, you just don't realize these sort of barriers that people bump up against to. And even now I notice I go around all the day, all day long, not really noticing whether I'm reading things in Japanese or English anymore because I can now I can read things, you know, whereas, you know, if you're new, new in Japan, you sort of tend to be searching for English, which isn't always there, particularly if you're somewhere like where I live, um, which is not Tokyo, obviously. So, yeah, um, the more we take the, um, you know, we stop thinking about ourselves and think about other people, then the easier it is to definitely uh, reach out and help. And at the end of the, uh, well, actually before we started recording, and I hope Kimberly doesn't mind if I say this, that she um, she said, you know, thank you so much for um, making this podcast. It's really helped me and it's really made my life in Japan more enjoyable. And I was just like blown away at, you know, the impact that my, my making this podcast has had for even just this one person. It's, you know, made their life in Japan so much more, you know, interesting or easier or whatever it is, you know, feeling like she's part of, of our community. And that just was, was just so wonderful for me to hear. And also it helped me to realize that every time that I get stuck or I'm like, Oh, I don't feel like doing this. It's always because I'm thinking about myself, right? I'm not thinking about other people. And when I turn my attention away from myself and turn it onto, you know, who could I be helping by doing this, then it becomes easy. It becomes a no-brainer. Of course, I'm going to record another episode. Of course, I'm going to go looking for more guests or, um, you know, of course, I'm going to sit here and type out show notes, that sort of thing, you know, because this is helping someone. And we we should never underestimate the impact that we can have by doing these things. And so so that what I want to say here is that if you are in at a point where you are thinking of doing something, something different, something new, and it's a bit scary, and you're sort of at the point where um, you haven't taken any action yet, but you're thinking about it, then the chances are that if you're thinking about it and you're not taking action, you are focusing on yourself, like this will be scary for me, what could I potentially lose from, or you know, how could this go wrong, or what kind of trouble is it going to cause, or whatever. Um, rather than focusing on who could I be helping by doing this. And I know one of our other listeners had reached out to me recently and said she's thinking of starting doing something new. And and I think, and I and if you're listening, I know you probably know who, who you are. Um, that's great. And you should definitely move forward with this. And you should definitely keep thinking about who you will be helping by doing this, right? And if you didn't reach out to me, but that message resonates with you, and I'm sure it will, then let me know. Yeah, <laughs> please tell me about it because I'd love to know that I've helped you to take that first step forward. And, and as, as you take that first step forward, then the next step will be revealed to you. Yeah. So that was one thing I really wanted to point out. And um, the other thing I wanted to point out, which has completely slipped my mind right now, <laughs> and I hate it when that happens, um, is, and if I try and remember, it's not going to come back. So we'll just move on and talk about something else, and then it will pop back into my head probably after I've 
pushed stop recording, right? This is what happens. Um, so we're going to take a little break and I'll come back in a minute when I've remembered <laughs> what I was going to say. <laughs> back in a moment. Okay, so I'm back again. <laughs> um, I wanted to say was what I forgot to say in the episode, uh, and I should have. I wanted to say to Kimberly during the episode was that um, even if you are in Japan for a short time, I feel that finding the international association in your city or town could be of real benefit. And you know, even if you're not staying long, you can still tap into that network and still take part in some of their activities, I'm sure, and that you can contribute something to your community as well while you're here and meet very like-minded, open people um, from different countries, but also local Japanese people as well. And also, if you are a long-term resident, but you've never been involved with your international association and you'd like to give it a try, I highly recommend it. Um, you know, it's not all just cooking classes and um, language lessons and things like that. Like, there's a lot of other things that happen via your international association in the city. And if you're a well-known member, you can get amazing opportunities come to you. So it was just a year ago that I was, um, you know, I'm registered as a interpreter, as a volunteer interpreter, and they had an international summit uh, come to town with you know all these different Pacific Island nations and their representatives in our city and staying at a hotel that has staff that cannot speak any English pretty much and there's even no English in the hotel as such like you walk around and it's like you can't even smoking area is written in kanji like you couldn't guess where the smoking area is right so this is the situation and so the um, each country had their own hotel staff member to liaise with and each hotel staff member had an English speaking um, volunteer interpreter. Uh, we worked as pairs yeah, to make sure that the, you know, each country had everything they needed. And luckily I was put in charge of New Zealand and I got to meet the deputy prime minister of New Zealand, who's a very well-known politician. And I got to meet the ambassador from the embassy in Tokyo from New Zealand and lots of other lovely people on the New Zealand delegation. And I got to hang out with the with the men in black, the special police or SP as they're called here in Japan. And they were pretty cool too. And we got to, you know, like synchronize our watches and all this sort of stuff. And um, yeah, it was really, it was a really fun experience. And I would never have had that experience if I hadn't volunteered my time by being a volunteer interpreter. And um, yeah, so definitely get yourself to your local international association you just never know what will come up um another like recently i've been in like promotional video for our city and all i had to do was go along and eat some extremely delicious sushi in front of the camera like i tell you it was tough <laughs> um yeah so so many cool things happen 
uh, if you are a well-known member of your international association. So I hope that international associations across Japan are as cool as the one in my city, but the one in my city is definitely very awesome. And I'm glad to be a member of it. And without that, I don't think I you know, would have um, met so many amazing people, had so many interesting um, things happen. So yeah, definitely check that out. Even if you're short term, I don't think they'll turn you away. Like they be interested to, you know, get you involved for the time that you're there and you can contribute something as well back to the community from, you know, with your own culture and things. Yeah, so um, that's all I have for you today. So if you see someone, you know, who looks like they're struggling, think of how they feel like, you know, just take the take the focus off yourself and put it on them and think about how they're feeling and definitely reach out and, you know, give them a hand. And I'm going to try and do that more too, because, you know, I know there are people out there, you know, it's hard to ask for help, right? When you're, when you're new and you don't even know where to go. So that's something that we can all, you know, it's something that's easy for us to do that we can, we can help other people with and, um, make it a, a really great experience of coming to live in Japan for even a short time for them. Okay, so coming up soon on the podcast, I have some very cool guests. Who do we have? Let me just check my calendar while I'm talking to you. Um, so we have Elizabeth coming up soon. She is a money mindset guru. <laughs> she knows all about the money. So if money and, you know, issues around money is something you're struggling with, then definitely tune into that episode and that will be very, very interesting. So I will talk to you again soon. Take care and see you next week. Bye-bye. みなさんこんにちは。今日のエピソードのゲストはキンバリーさんでした。キンバリーはどこから来たのか聞き取れたのかな。アメリカ出身、カリフォルニア出身で、あの、今シカゴの方があの地元って言ってましたね。あの、2歳の息子と旦那と一緒に1年間だけ日本に移住してきて、あの、旦那さんは大学大学の勉強するために、あとリサーチのために日本に1年間住むことになってるので、3ヶ月ごとにあの、違うところに引っ越すんですね
いや我慢しろよって言ってずっと日本に行きたかったでしょもうちょっと我慢してってあの言ってまあ確かに2週間ぐらいの後に少し友達ができ,るできて仕事ちょっと分かるようになってきてあの少しわけわかんないようになってきたのであのどんどんどんどん楽しくなってきたんですね。でも最初は本当に大変だった。で、でも、その時は本当に私だけだったんですね。あの、旦那もまだ会ってなかったし、子供もいなかったので、今、その、金張さんは旦那さんと息子、2歳の息子で3人で、あの、なんとなく生活しないといけないですね。で、結構、さみ、寂しいみたいですね。あの、お友達がいないし、ですぐ、あのまた引っ越すって言ったらあ,のあんまりね周りの人は声かけててもその友達になる可能性があんまりなさそうですって言ってあとまあ日本語もあの挨拶ぐらいはあとあの簡単なものも言えるんですけど会話はできないのであの周りの人と話すのはちょっと難しいしあと読むとかはできないから、読めない生活はどれぐらいあの大変なのか、皆さんは多分最近感じてないと思うんですね。でも、あの大人として読めないっていう、読めなくなっちゃうっていうのはすごくあのイライラするんですね。本当に悔しくて。あのなんで私その看板読めないっていう。<笑>それも私覚えてますね。あの17年前にね、日本語何年間も勉強したのに日本に来て読めなくなったし、で、その頃はそんなに英語の,あの言葉も書いてなかったので、本当に苦しんでたんですね。最近はあの全然気づかないあの。日本語か英語読んでるかどうかはあんまり気づかない。ようになってるので、それはいいことで<笑>、いいことだなと思います。で、キンバリさんは、この後、あの、アメリカに帰らないといけないんですね。あの、息子とキンバリだけ。で、旦那さんは残,残るらしくて。で、キンバリさんは仕事に戻らないといけないので、でも、1年間休んで、どんな仕事になるのかって、今ちょっと、あの、怖いです。怖いって言ってたんですね。あの、将来のことは不、すごく不安になってるところです。なので、まあ、この、この、あの、エピソードで、ちょっと話して、少し気か、あの気、気が楽になってきた感じがしますね。あの、日本に来ていろいろ勉強しましたよね、とか、日本に来て、あの、stay at home mother っていうことが、あの、その、専業主婦、stay at home mother が夢だったのに、実際になったら、あ、これ私向いてないんだって気づきましたって。で、それもすごくいい勉強じゃないですかって私が<笑>言って、あ、そうなんだよねとか。で、あの、理想な仕事は、内容的にわからないんだけど、その仕事は絶対にちゃんとしたあの事務所に行って仕事するっていうのは好きですって言って、あと、あの、社長になりたくない。あの
そういうリーダーみたいな仕事をしたくない。あと、あの、まあ、この仕事をすると、このお給料もらえますよっていうふうな仕事が欲しいって言って、いや、それはいい、いい勉強じゃないですか。その前に知らなかったんですよね。それが必要なのか。あの、で、間違って自分のき、あの、例えば自分のビジネス立ち上げ、立ち上げようとしたら、あうまくいかないでしょう。あと、あの、例えば、まあ、社長に、のポジションに募集し,しちゃったりとか、そういう<笑>、そういう、あの、間違っちゃって、本当の自分の理想な仕事は分かってないと、あの、ちょっと、例えばね、家で仕事をしようとする。で、それはダメ。やっぱりダメだ。私、出かけて仕事したいっていう、っていう人なんです。分かってきたんですねでそれは日本に来たから分かってきた。なのでそ,のそういうコーチングがエピソードの間にできてすごく嬉しかったですね。なのでこれからあのこのポッドキャストでもっとそういうコーチングエピソードをやりたいなと思っているのでもしボランティアになりたいんだったらどうぞあの言ってください。もちろんそのコーチングは英語で行うんですけどあの多分この、このポッドキャストを聞いてるんだったら、あの、大丈夫と思います。英語のレベル的には。<笑>あと、話したのは、その、来たばっかりの人たちと、あの、まあ、その、住民の,の人の触れ合うのは、あの、本当に、自分だけのことを考えると、来たばっかりの人になんか手伝ったりとか相談に乗ったりとかはめんどくさいなっていうのは考えやすいですよね。自分のことしか考えないと。でも相手の気持ちとか立場にを考えるとあやっぱり簡単に手伝えるんだとかあとすぐなんか問題解決を手伝えるのでぜひもしそういう困ってる人を目の前に見たら、あの、ああ、私にとってはめんどくさいっていうんじゃなくて、相手の気持ちちょっと考えましょう。でそうすると、手伝いしや、絶対に手伝いしやすいしで、その、あの、相手の気持ちが本当に、あの、もう一日がもう最悪の状態から、あの、最高の状態になる。あの可能性があるんですよ特に日本にあの来たばっかりの外国人みんな苦労してるのでぜひ手伝ってみてください。で多分あの私の日本語日本人の英語の生徒はよく言う,言うのはあのでも私声かけたら迷惑じゃないですかとか<笑>。でも、あの、ちゃんと英語話せないんだったら、ちょっと迷惑じゃないですかみたいなことを言っちゃうんですね。それは言い訳ですね。あの、怖いから声かけない。でも、頑張って、少しでもね、勇気を持ってかけたら、全然うまくいくと思いますよ。なので、皆さんも頑張ってくださいね。あの、
まあ、福島に住んでる人はそんなにチャンスがないと思うんですけど、あの、もし東京に行ったりとかしたら、もうすぐ、まあ、いつも目の前に誰か困ってる、困ってる外国人が、もう、パッと見ると5人ぐらいがいると思うんですよ。もう、どこに行ってもいますね。はい。じゃあ、頑張って皆さん、あの、他の人のお手伝いをやってみてくださいね。OK。じゃあ、ま、これからまたいろんなエピソードが,あのが来るので、ぜひまた来週よろしくお願いします。Have a good week! See you next time! Bye bye!